All right, if not, turn with me, if you would, to the book of 2 Peter. It's in the back of your Bible. 1st and 2nd Peter, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, Jude, and Revelation. So 1st, 2nd Peter is in the back. Um, if you don't have a Bible, there should be one in the pew back in front of you there. And stand with me this morning, if you would, in honor of the reading of God's Word. 2nd Peter. This book was written around 64 A.D. Piro, Peter is in Piro. <laughs> Ain't that funny? Piro. Piro is in jail. Peter's in jail. Nero's the Caesar. And Peter writes this word. Verse 12. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 12. Wherefore, I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though you know them, and be established in the present truth. Yea, I think it meet, as long as I'm in this tabernacle, he's talking about the tabernacle of his body, to stir you up by putting you in remembrance, knowing that shortly I must put off my tabernacle, even as our Lord Jesus Christ has showed me. Moreover, I will endeavor that you may be able, after my decease, to have these things always in remembrance. For we have not followed cunningly devised, fab cunningly devised fables, when we made known unto you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received from God the Father honor and glory when there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And this voice which came from heaven we heard, and when we were with him in the holy mount, and we also have a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto you do well to take heed, as unto a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts, knowing this first, that no prophecy is of Scripture, is of any private interpretation. For prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Heavenly Father, thank you, Almighty God, for the opportunity to preach your word, Lord. And I pray this morning, God, that my anointing, O oh God, would be from you, Lord. And may I simply be a vessel, O oh God, to be used by you for the next few minutes, Lord God. Lord God, I pray that you would stir men's hearts today, Father. I pray that you would stir our minds today, God. I pray today, Lord, that my words, O oh God, would not be to the, the sound of reason or the sound of logic. But, Lord God, but it would be a fire shut up in our bones, O oh God. And it would stir the coals this morning, Lord God. And a fire would burn within us, O oh God. And we would know, Father God, that there is a God. There is a Lord Jesus Christ, and he lives within my soul. And I give you praise for it this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> I'm not too good on specialty days. I'm not too good with preaching sermons that are, or doing events that are, that are around Memorial Days and Labor Days and Father's Days and Mother's Days. I'm I'm just not, that's not one of my strengths, and I praise God that there are people in here who have that strength. I'm just not one of them. But I do want to tell you this morning that as we read this passage, it's, 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 it stirred something within me about Memorial Day. You know, in 1776, actually, I think it was, I think it was earlier than that, 1775, a group of men gathered up their muskets. They didn't have any training. They weren't soldiers. 
They were just a group of people who were tired of taxation without representation. They were tired of being continually taxed and continually hoarded over without the ability to have any say in their future. And they had had enough and they were being ruled by the largest, greatest army power in the world, which was Britain. And in 1775, a, a group of men just said, we've had enough, and they gathered together as the British came to come take some weapons away from them. They gathered together on a field in Concord, Massachusetts. And they lined up, and they said, you're not coming here. And those redcoats were lined up, greatly in outnumbering those few men, but as the men continued to discuss, all of a sudden, the Minutemen shouldered their weapons, the British shouldered their weapons, and a, fire, a shot was fired, which was called the shot heard around the world, and all of a sudden, the American Revolution was on. And it was on because a group of men. A group of men who said, my freedom is worth dying for. I'll no longer be pushed around by an oppressive regime. I'll no longer be pushed around, but I will stand my ground. And though it costs me my life, I would rather die on my feet than be on my knees. And these men stood and they fought. And for the next five years, 1776 to 1781, a group of men who eventually became the Continental Army stood against the greatest power of the world and they won their freedom and they were the only nation in the entire world to, read their free, to win their freedom from a British government on the battlefield and they won it not because they had a greater army not because they had more goods, not because they were better trained, not because they had better leaders, but they did it because they had men who said, I figure this country's worth, excuse me, I figure this country's worth dying for. And they shouldered their arms and they fought like madmen. And they defeated the, defeated the British at Yorktown and they won freedom for America. And Britain surrendered. They weren't the best. They weren't the smartest. They weren't the best armed. They didn't have the best stuff. They didn't have the finest leaders. All they had was something inside of them that said, I feel like this country's worth dying for. <laughs> From 1775 to date, America has won every battle, every, every war. They've won, not because of anything other than they got men on the field who figure this country's worth dying for. You read, you read the war history, you read battle histories, you'll find out from Quezon to, to Lexington Concord to Afghanistan to Baghdad, most of the time when Americans go into battle, they're outnumbered and they're outgunned. Sometimes in Vietnam, they were outnumbered 10 to 1 at Quezon, but they fought and they fought and they won. Why did they win? Because they were fighting for something worth fighting for. <laughs> they were willing to die on a field of battle because it was worth dying for. 
1861, a group of men got together, South Carolina, and said, we'll no longer be ruled by a government who won't allow us to operate within our own borders, but tries to hoard over us. We'll no longer be ruled by someone who won't allow us to govern within our own borders. And South Carolina withdrew from the Union in 1861, in 1860, actually before the election. And South Carolina withdrew, Alabama withdrew, Mississippi withdrew, Georgia withdrew, Louisiana withdrew, Texas withdrew, Arkansas withdrew, and they formed a thing called the Confederacy. And the Confederacy was formed because men said, we no longer want to be governed by someone in Washington. We want to govern what happens within our shores, within our borders, by a legislature that we elect. And so they, they begin a, a confederacy. And this confederacy went into battle at the Battle of First Bull Run. And I want to tell you, it wasn't a bunch of army guys that went into the battle. It was just a bunch of farmers, a bunch of millwrights, a bunch of pipe fitters a bunch of electricians, a bunch of, 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 of college men educated at different universities. It wasn't a bunch of men that went into the first battle of Bull Run that were trained soldiers. It was simply men who said, I'm fighting for my home. I'm fighting for an ideal. I'm fighting for freedom within my own borders, and I figure it's worth dying for. And they went there on the first battle of Bull Run, and Stonewall Jackson rallied the Army of Northern Virginia, and it defeated the Union Army, a group of trained men. It defeated them at the battle of Bull Run, not because they were better, not because they were better armed, not because they were better trained, but simply they were better positioned. They wanted, they were fighting for something they believed in. They were fighting for something that they believed in and they are fighting for something that they felt was worth dying for. And so on a field of battle, they fought like men, mad men and they defeated an army that was superior. Why? Because they were fighting worth for something worth dying for. And any battle that the United States enters into, our soldiers have the edge. Not because they're better equipped necessarily, not because they're better trained necessarily, not because they have more firepower necessarily, but they're better equipped because men and women in the United States military are volunteers who have decided to go into the military because they want to serve their country and they're fighting for an ideal and for something they feel like it's worth dying for. So American soldiers throughout the history of this country have fought braver, have fought fiercer, have fought stronger, have fought against impossible odds, and they have won. Why? Because they're fighting for something worth dying for. Peter says, I know I'm fixing to be executed. I know my time is at hand. 
But he's not concerned about putting off his tabernacle. Why? Because he spent his life fighting for something worth dying for. And I want to ask you this morning one simple question. Is your Christianity, is your relationship with Jesus Christ, is the thing that Christ has done for you, is it such a place in your heart that you feel like it's worth dying for? Is it worth dying for? Now, I've never known a man who wanted to die. And I can tell you right now, I don't want to die. And if I die, I don't want it to hurt. I want to go peacefully in my sleep. But I'm not looking to die. But I tell you what, if the time comes that it's my turn to die, then I know that God will give me the strength just like he gave Peter to die according to the will of God. Because the will of God and the power of Jesus Christ is something worth dying for. It's worth dying out to sin for. <laughs> Didn't get too many amens on that one. It's worth dying out to sin for. It's worth becoming a servant of Jesus Christ for. It's worth giving my life to him for. It's worth paying my tithe and my offerings and anything else that he wants to him for. It's worth it to me because I know my Redeemer lives. I know my God is able to do exceeding abundantly above what I can ask or think. He has saved me. He has rescued me. He has healed me. He has delivered me. He has empowered me. He has laid up a mansion in heaven for me. He's done it all for me. Oh, I'm He's worth giving my life for, oh my God. He's worth it. He's worth it. He's worth it. Say, well, he hadn't done that for me. Maybe you should give him a little more you. Maybe you should give him a little more you. You see, if you want him to give to you, you got to give to him first. He said, I'm either God of all or I'm God not of all, not at all. And I want to tell you something this morning. If, you, if you're not receiving the blessings of the Lord, if this ain't working for you, if you're not receiving the, if you, if you went through this service this morning and you said, well, God ain't done nothing for me, I want to tell you this morning, you might ought to give him a little more of you. When Jana walks into that, when Jana walk or Cole, when they walk in there and stand in front of that, military man and ask him to raise their right hand and he says do you swear to and they say I, if you do speak in the affirmative and you say I do those of you that have been in the military when you say that first I do when you say I will you're no longer your own your mama your, your mama bore you your daddy raised you but Uncle Sam's got you now You'll do what he says. You'll wear what he says. You'll cut your hair like he says. Oh, I don't like it that way. Okay, well, they'll put it in the envelope and give it to you later. You're part of their business now. If they say jump, you jump. If they say hit the deck, you hit the deck because you belong to them. And if you don't think you belong to them, try not to belong to them, and you'll find yourself in Leavenworth. You're now part of that army. You gave yourself to them. You belong to them. I'm telling you, if you give yourself to Jesus Christ, you've now joined his army. 
You march when he says march. You get up when he says get up. You're no longer your own. You've been bought with a price, redeemed by the precious blood of the Lamb. And if you're redeemed, if you're born again, if you're bought, then Jesus Christ needs to be worth dying for. Paul says that I'm not following some cunningly devised fable. I'm not following some cunningly devised fable. I do not believe in religions that follow cunningly devised fables. I do not believe in religions that follow two golden tablets supposedly found by a teenager in New York City that, or New York that no one else has ever seen and they don't exist anymore. I don't follow that cunningly devised fable. I don't follow a cunningly devised fable. But I follow the power of God. I follow a word of God that's given by prophecy. The spirit of the Lord, the testimony of Jesus Christ is the spirit of prophecy. And whenever the Lord prophesies in this book, I've heard a lot of, lot of talk lately about AI. Do y'all know what AI is? Artificial intelligence. I've been told that people that know how to use artificial intelligence can make it to where the robot can be smarter than me. I can hardly believe that. I can hardly believe that. Because how can a creator invent something that's more smart than him? That our AI is only as smart as the creator tells it to be. But I'm going to tell you something else. In this book, in, in Revelation 16, it talks about that the false prophet and the Antichrist will have the ability to form an image of the Antichrist that it will put in Jerusalem. And the Bible says that the false prophet is able to give that Antichrist image the ability to think and to speak. And people said, I don't understand how that can be. I'll tell you how artificial intelligence. One step closer, baby. Once, did you hear the Holy Spirit say this morning, are you ready to, to fly with me? Are you looking for me in the eastern, eastern sky? I'm not following some cleverly devised fable. I'm following something that I'm 100% sure is real. I'm sure it's real because I know that this book is true. I'm sure it's real because I know that there was a Jesus that walked this earth. I know it's real because Peter... <laughs> Peter, Simon, James, not John, Bartholomew, Andrew, Judas, not Iscariot, Thomas, Philip. These men were willing to die for the cause of Jesus Christ. Thomas was flayed in India. You know what that means? That means they held him down and they cut his skin off of him. He gave up his life for the cause of the gospel and throughout history the, the blood of Jesus Christ and the blood of this book has been preached by men who gave their lives for Christ and if they gave their lives for Christ, do you think because you live in America he's not going to expect you to give your life for Christ? The gospel that's good to be preached in Iran is the same gospel that's good to be preached in Warren. 
You, 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 think, you think, oh, it's different here. You think it's different here? Do you know in Canada, just last week, there was a 17-year-old boy who came to, to school with a shirt on that says there's only two genders to a Catholic school, and do you know he was so ridiculed that he was put out of class for causing disruption, and he was suspended for being a source of disruption in the classroom, and he was eventually expelled out of a Catholic school because he argued that God made man, male and female, in a Catholic school, and he was expelled? Do you know, have you read, that this same young man who's 17 years old, that they had a rally in his behalf in that same city and the people rallied in behalf of this young man and the protesters showed up and, they, and he showed up with a box of Bibles and he started passing out Bibles and when protesters would ridicule him and push him and, and curse him, he would simply raise his hand. It's on video. You can watch it. And do you know who the police arrested for being out of control? The 17-year-old. He wasn't charged but he was arrested and removed from a rally in his behalf. In Canada, do you know that this same 17-year-old, when he was interviewed by Fox News, said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and if this is what it takes to let people know that Jesus is alive, then I'll do it. <laughs> That's why they draft 17-year-olds, 18-year-olds, because they're crazy. They don't care. They got nothing to gain, nothing to lose. They're just going for it. And every, every month, every month, I see the world in the United States of America, in Warren, Texas, I see the world creeping closer and closer and encroaching on my territory. There are numerous events, and will be more next year, I assume, that are now occurring on Wednesday night that pulls our kids out of our, our youth groups, out of our ranger groups, out of different things. There's more and more of our kids that get pulled out of those things to participate in something that the school has planned. And they're told if you don't come to this, then you're gonna, it's going to affect your playing time and you're going to have to ride the bench because you are gonna, you're, you're going to miss practice. You're going to miss a game. You're going to miss something. There's more and more situations in, in the world where baseball, cheerleading, glee club, chess club, funerals, weddings, everything else in the world People plan it on Sunday. I'm convinced they plan it on Sunday because they don't want to use their Saturday. But that may not be true, but they're planning them on Sundays. They're slowly encroaching to where Sunday is just another day of the week. I went to book our flights to go to Ireland next week, and I got all confused. You know why I got confused? Because calendars in Europe don't start on Sunday. I didn't know that. They start on Monday. So I went to the first day of the week and said, well, that's not right. What year am I in? And I figured it out. Sunday's at the end. Why did they do that? Because Sunday's no longer the first day of the week for them. They've walked away from God. It's no longer important. And the United States is following the same track. And somebody's going to have to stand up and say, I'm not following some cleverly devised fable, but I'm following Jesus Christ. And if I have to not play in a game, then I ain't going to play in a game. If I have to miss that, then I'm going to miss it. 
If I have to be kicked off the team, if I have to remove from the vent because I want to follow Jesus Christ, then it'll just have to happen. And I don't want it to happen. I don't want it to happen. But all I'm saying is, you're going to have to be convinced that you're not following some cleverly devised fable, but that you're following the power of the Holy Ghost. He also says in this, that prophecy came not in old time by the will of men, but holy men spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. One of the greatest things you can do in order to secure your place so that the Holy Ghost can be in you whenever it's time to stand for Jesus Christ is to do just that and make sure that the Holy Ghost is in you and not just on you. Well, how, brother, dear pastor of mine, can I tell if the Holy Spirit is just on me or if he's in me? Spring up, oh well. Spring up, oh well. You see, a lot of people are content with the Holy Spirit just being on them. And what that means is that when you came in here, you felt like a heavy burden, but now you leave out of here and you feel better. Did you change anything while you were in here? Well, I went to the front. Some people prayed for me. When the Holy Spirit simply on you, then the Holy Spirit is making everything better. He's relieving your mind. He's making you feel better. He's making everybody around you better. It seems to be a whole lot better. But by next Sunday, you're right back in the same pit that you were in last Saturday night. Did you hear me? You're in the same mess you were in last Saturday. You come in here Sunday morning with the same low self-esteem with the same concerns with the same worries with the same everything that you came in here last Sunday with you haven't improved at all why because the Holy Spirit simply on you the Bible says the Holy Spirit was on Gideon and he went down and he did exploits and he destroyed an army and he freed Israel but the next time I see Gideon he's gathering up gold to make an idol profess that you know God but in actions you deny God being abominable unto every work, retrobate. That's the Holy Spirit on you. Because when the Holy Spirit is in you, it's like a fire shut up in your bones. When the Holy Spirit's in you, then there's a river of life that flows out of you. When the Holy Spirit's in you, then there's moments of refreshing. <laughs> You've been in a moment of refreshing this morning when that fire begins to burn, when the Holy Spirit maybe gets a little in your feet, when he gets a little in your spirit, when you begin to cry and, 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 and pray and, and you know that the prayer wheel's turning and you feel the fire burning and the anointing of the Lord is burning in your soul and all of a sudden you're ready to go out and do exploits. You're ready to fight any devil. You're ready to do anything God gives you to do. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is burning in your soul. My God. You want to know why I preach like this? I preach like this because I can't forbear. This is me. This is who I am. And I'm, I don't want to suppress it. Why? Because I want the Holy Spirit to flow, 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 flow. I told you I'm an adrenaline junkie. I'm addicted to the power of the Holy Spirit. And when that anointing oil begins to flow in my innermost being, then I want to let it flow. I want to receive everything God's got for me this morning. I want to be moved by everything God's got for me this morning. I want to come in this place expecting to see healings, deliverances, baptizing. I want to come in this place expecting to see the glory cloud of God sitting in here. Why? Because I'm full of the Holy Ghost 
And I want to see you full. And I want to see this community changed by the power of God. This community's worth dying for. Fred, Texas is worth dying for. Warren's worth dying for. Silsby's worth dying for. Sperger's worth dying for. It's worth dying for. It's worth surrendering some of my own time to put time into them. It's worth making the fool out of myself if I must in order for someone to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ one more time. It's worth any price I've got to pay and the Lord will give me strength to pay any price I need to pay so that a man can be saved or a woman can be saved or a child can be taken off drugs or we can turn the, the tide of the devil in this community because if you don't do it, it's not going to get done. Kathy used to say this. Kathy used to say, when you get to heaven, God's not going to ask you, did you have a good trip? He's not going to say, did you have fun? He's not going to say, did you enjoy the time on the cruise? Because we're not on a cruise ship. We're on a battleship. I said, we're not on a cruise ship. We're on a battleship. God is the Lord of Sabaoth. That Lord of Sabaoth means he's the Lord of the hosts of heaven. Not so much the host that blesses you, but the host that does battle for you. For whenever Hebrews chapter 1 verse 21 tells me that whenever I begin to pray that God dispatches ministering angels, they're not ministering to my enemies, they're bringing, I don't know if I should say that, Lord. I will. They're bringing hell upon my enemies. They're raining fire and brimstone and trouble and trial and situation upon my enemies. They're bringing the very gates of hell upon my enemies. Why? Because I've prayed and my prayer begins to move by the Holy Spirit. My prayer begins to be like an anvil slicing against a piece of granite. And every time I hit, it's a little bit more split until one day it'll come apart. My prayer is motivated by the power of Jesus Christ. My prayer is upheld by praying saints that are praying with me. And I'm telling you, there's no power in hell that can stop a praying church. There's no power in hell that can stop a praying man. There's no power in hell that can stop your miracle if you'll be willing to die for it. Jesus died that you might live. Peter died so that we might see an example. He didn't die for cleverly devised fables. He died because his heart had been moved by the Holy Ghost and he had given himself to him. And I want to tell you today, but just like I said earlier, the best way to win a battle when you're outgunned and you're outmanned is just to know that you're fighting for something that's worth dying for. And if you're if you're not fighting for something worth dying for, the first time it gets hard, you'll quit. Did you hear me? I said, if you're not living for something that's worth dying for, then the first time it gets hard, you'll quit. The first time you realize you're outnumbered, you'll surrender. You'll give up. But God never called you to give up because greater is he that's in you. I don't remember where I told this story. I may have told it to you. If I did, I'm sorry. But I read a book, 
And the title of the book was Before We Kill and Eat You. That was the title of a book. And it was a book about a man named H.B. Garlock. He was a missionary to the, Liber to the country of Liberia at a time whenever Liberia was mostly in the jungle areas, was inhabited by cannibals. And he went out there and he began to set up his ministry. And he was out there several years. And one day an injustice occurred and somebody was kidnapped from his group and taken to a village of headhunters because they thought he had done something and they were wrongly accusing him. So H.B. Garlock was praying to the Lord about what to do. And the Holy Spirit said, go in there and get him. He said, Lord, they're cannibals. He said, you ask me what to do. I'm telling you, go get him. So H.B. Garlock in the book said he marched into that village like he owned the place. Walked over there to where they were holding him, undid the ropes, opened the door, and grabbed him and was taking him out in the middle of the day. Well, he got surrounded. They weren't going to let him take him. And so they brought him to a tribal council. And he didn't know exactly what they were saying, but he knew it wasn't in his favor. He could tell by the way they were looking at him that somebody was fixing to die and it was going to be him and this person that was with him. He knew that they were discussing his, his charges and he knew that they were going to find him guilty because he had walked in there unannounced and just taken this young boy at the bleeding of the Holy Spirit. And he said when the warlord or the medicine man quit dancing and doing the things he doing, killing chickens and pouring out the blood and everything they were doing, they looked at him and they motioned to him that he had a moment to speak. Well, he didn't really speak their language. But in that book, he said he stood up to speak for himself, not really knowing what to say. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit came upon him. And for the next 10 minutes, he spoke in tongues. Had his eyes closed for 10 straight minutes, speaking in tongues. And when he finished, those natives were on their knees. Their eyes were huge. And all they said is, what do you desire for us to do? And he said, release me and let me go. And they released him. Why did that victory occur? Because he figured his situation wasn't worth dying for. And if the Holy Spirit sent him in there, he was determined to die if that's how God had decided to glorify his name. Stand with me this morning if you would. I'm not going to ask anybody to come up this morning and say you'll die. Because really and truly, to be honest with you this morning, I don't think the gospel of Jesus Christ is propagated by you dying. I feel like the gospel of Jesus Christ is propagated by you living. By you being willing to die to sin to die to self, to die to your desires, to die to the flesh, to die to your will. You may think you're going where you know where you're going to college, but you may not know. You may think you know where you're going tomorrow, what job you're going to be at, but you may not know. You may think you know what kind of car you're going to buy, what kind of house you're going to live in, what you're going to do next, but all I'm telling you is this, you may not know. Because if Jesus Christ is willing to die for, then he's certainly willing, worth living for. So this morning, I want to take just a moment. I want to take just a moment for you to reflect. Is Jesus Christ worth living for?
Because see, this morning you may have decided that that you're going to slack off a little bit, that you're going to that this is too much, that that the Holy Spirit and the Lord's given too putting too much on your platter, and, and you're going to back off. You're not going to quit coming to church, but you, but you're just going to slide a little easier. And I want to let you know that Jesus. You're telling me that that Jesus is not worth living for. And when the time comes, even though you think you're going to be able to die for him, you won't be able to. You won't be able to. This morning, I want you just to reflect. And I want you just to take a moment. I'm going to pray over you this morning. And as I pray, you can pray with me. Heavenly Father, Lord God, I pray this morning, Father, that your Holy Spirit, God, would put a desire within us that's worth li living for. Because only when you're worth living for, Lord God, will we be able to die for you, O oh God. Lord, the Bible says that we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, God. And most of them were martyrs, Lord God. Most of them died for the cause of Christ. They didn't have beautiful places to worship in. They didn't have a nice air conditioner running. They didn't have a nice praise team with guitars and instruments and drums and singers. They didn't have that, Lord. They didn't even have a Bible. All they had was a love of Jesus Christ and a desire to see the world saved, oh God, and they had you. And that's all they needed, Father God. And all we need today is you as well, God. Thank you, Lord, that we have these things, Father. But, Lord, don't let us get so caught up in these things, God, that we lose sight of that you're the reason, Lord God, that you're, you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And if you're worth living for, God, then I know you'll be worth dying for. And I pray today, oh God, that you would take our concerns and our fears. I feel like some of you this morning, you've, you've held on to something. Maybe it, even was a, maybe it even was a ministry that you had at one time that the Lord's tried to remove you out of and you just won't go. You just, you just won't let it go. The Lord says, I got other things for you to do. You know, Jesus didn't stay in one city. He was having a revival in one city and he said, tomorrow we're going to go somewhere else. And they said, Lord, you're doing great here. He said, there's other cities to preach in. And I want to tell you, there's other ministries for you to involve yourself in. And someone in this congregation today, God wants you to let go of something that, that, that the, 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 the call of God to do it has left you a long time ago. Well, actually, it hadn't been that long ago. But the call of God for you to do it has left you, but you've kept on because you enjoy doing it and because you're kind of a little bit concerned about what God's going to have you do next. You, you don't really know what it is, but you're concerned about it because you're afraid you're afraid you're going to have to go to Africa or some crazy thing like that. And I want to tell you this morning that the Lord's telling you, let go of the past that I can open the door to the future. I can't move you forward as long as you're hanging on to what's in the past. The, the, the future ahead of you, the Lord says, is glorious. But you've got to sacrifice that old cow. That old thing that you've held on to, that old, that old thing, that old, that old thing that you're so comfortable with. The Lord says this morning, you got to let that go before I can begin to open the fresh doors that are ahead of you. If you've held on to some stuff 
because you didn't want to give it up or because you, you wasn't sure because it just felt right. But you know that God's moving you this morning to something new. And you're willing to die out to the old that you might receive the new because Jesus Christ is worth dying for. Then I simply want you to lift your hands with me this morning. And just like the military member will stand in front of Cole and Jenna and say, will you agree to defend the Constitution of the United States? And they said, I will. I want to ask you this morning, are you willing to move forward into the, a greater relationship with Jesus Christ? And if you're willing this morning, I want you to say, I will. Then those of you that said, I will, I want you to lift your hands with me this morning and begin to just declare that to the Lord. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, God. Lord, we will, O oh God. Father God, we will follow you, Lord God. We will, O oh God, leave everything to you, Lord God. We've not followed cleverly devised fables, Lord God, but we've followed the Spirit of God that's from men, O oh God, that were moved by the power of the Holy Spirit, some of which gave their lives, O oh God. And even though we may not be called upon God to lay our head on a chopping block today, God, Lord, you are calling us today, Father, to lay it all on the altar. To lay it all on the altar, Lord God. And Father, I lay my all upon the altar, God. I lay it all once again, Lord God, before you, Father God. And I pray, Lord God, don't let my legs hang off the end, God. Don't let my arms, God, hang off the end, Father God. But make sure that I'm all on that altar, God. I want to all be on it, Lord God. Don't let my head hang off the end, Lord. But put me, Lord God, all on that altar and consume me, Holy Spirit, with a fire that burns down into my innermost being, O oh God, to do your will, to walk your walk, to talk your talk, to give my life for you, O oh God. For as I die, Lord God, let others live. Is that your prayer? Is that your prayer? As I die, Lord, let others live. As I die, Lord, let others live. I pray, God, for this congregation, Lord God, I pray that your Holy Spirit, God, would cause them to die out to sin, die out to self, die out to their own will, O oh God, and be willing to lay their future on the altar of God. For, Lord, I know there's some in this place, O oh God, that you have called the missions, that you've called the ministry. Some have already stepped up, but there's others that you're calling, O oh God. And may they be willing, O oh God, to lay aside that lucrative career, to lay aside the things that you have designed for them to lay aside the things that, that you have not designed for them, O oh God, to lay aside the money, the fame, the fortune, O oh God, and to receive, Lord, what you have given them. O oh God, let your glory move our hearts today, Father. I pray that your spirit has caused our spirits to jump, God, and that we're willing to die today, God, that you might live. We're willing to die today that you might live. Say that with me today. I'm willing to die, Lord, that you might live. Say it with me. I'm willing to die today, Lord, that you might live. Say it one more time. I'm willing to die today, Lord, that you might live. Hallelujah. 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 Whew. Amen. Let me tell you one more thing. Real quick, because I know you're standing. And I know you're ready to go. A soldier on the battlefield is never effective until he realizes that, the, that, he can, that he is dead. 
You can't move against a machine gun unless you realize I'm dead anyway. And then you'll be effective. There's no man that's ever won a medal of honor that won it because he thought he was going to get out of it alive. They give those awards because you do something that you can't possibly get out of alive. And so this morning, let's all be Medal of Honor recipients for the cause of Jesus Christ. And let's choose to go after him with everything that's within us. And to say, God, you're worth dying for. Paul says, I judge not my own life, but I, I cause those things that I know as dung that I might receive him who loved me and died for me and gave himself for me. God bless you this afternoon. I hope, I hope this has stirred your heart. I know it stirred mine. It may not have stirred yours, but it stirred mine. Have a great afternoon. Tonight, we're going to come back tonight. We're going to sing some songs. Then we're going to have a baptism. So if you, if you would like to be water baptized, come back tonight. We're going to do a water baptismal service. Then after that, we're going to go back to the back for our birthday and anniversary celebration. So come back tonight and rejoice with those that are getting baptized. And let's see the power of God move in your heart today. God bless them. Keep them. Rest them. In Jesus' name, bring us back tonight in your presence. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.